0: Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, be inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith.
1: Great to be with you tonight on The Way Home. I'm very excited to have some guests that are going to be giving you some good advice, just like Jimmy said, and also someone who brings a lot of beauty to the world, Jay Harrison Smith. He is a sculptor of uh, just the most amazing proportions, actually. And uh, he is going to be talking about his many, many, many decades as a bronze sculptor. He lives in Florida, but his works are all over the United States. And he's going to talk about the process of what it means to do the lost wax method of bronze sculpturing. And uh, so he'll be here and telling us all about that. And we'll also have some great tips for saving for college from Scott rushoff And also, Parul Bajaj from the Nissan Foundation talking about the grants that they give out to help raise cultural awareness and uh, how you can maybe get your nonprofit in on the action uh, financially from the Nissan Foundation. This is The Way Home, and it's all brought to you by Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule. And how does that change your life? Well, it's changed mine and my family's in so many ways um, for the last eight years that we have been taking this incredible product. It's fruits and vegetables that are uh, selected, that were selected by a scientist and researcher, doctor, and doctor of chiropractic, Dr. Douglas Howard. And he spent years researching which fruits and vegetables in concert together would create the maximum impact on your nutritional health. There is no other product like it on the market. It makes you feel better. It makes you heal faster. It boosts your immune system and so much more. There are thousands, literally thousands of testimonials available from customers who have started taking Balance of Nature and how it's changed their life as well. My entire family um, has seen such benefits from it um, Too too many to count right now, but I will tell you that it has changed their life. And you can even go to the website and find these testimonials from people. They sometimes get up to a thousand a week unsolicited into their company because people are just amazed by what it has done for them. You can also find this out for yourself. There's only one way to order, actually two ways to order it. It's by going to their website, which is balanceofnature.com, or you can call them at 800-2468. 751 800 2468 Either way that you order Balance of Nature, make sure that you put the word Laura into the promo code. That way they know that you heard it here on the way home. And it'll afford you 35% off your first preferred order and free shipping as well. So Laura into the promo code at balanceofnature.com. When we come back, sculptor J. Harrison Smith. Don't go away. You're listening to The Way Home. Balance of Nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule
2: changing the world one life at a time.
3: I'm healthy. I want to stay healthy. I like the idea of what the product is all about. I believe in the body's ability to heal itself, and I also believe that fruits and vegetables from God's great earth are the best way to do that. This (laughs) is derived right from fruits and vegetables, and there's no extra chemicals involved. And I thought, you know what? If I can just keep my immune system super strong, I'm in favor of it. So far, I've been able to avoid any sicknesses and... I just like to stay out ahead of these things.
2: Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751. That's 800-2468-751. Or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code LARA.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Well, wonderful to be with you tonight, and I love highlighting people that make the world a more beautiful place, and that can be by all different means, ways and means. Uh, Tonight, however, I am very grateful to have someone on, a renowned sculptor um, who uses processes that are uh, kind of from way back when, but he brings them into today, and They are incredibly, incredibly beautiful. Um, The artwork, he has his own gallery in uh, Clearwater, Tampa, St. Pete. And uh, his name is Jay Harrison Smith. I know him as Jim, actually, as my cousin Jim. He is absolutely prolific and wonderful. And I want to hear and I want you to hear as well about his incredible artwork uh, he's being commissioned for pieces as we speak and has just so many beautiful things. You, you'll you have to go to the website, by all means, and find his work. Uh, Jim Smith, thank you so much for joining us today on the way home.
4: Pleasure to be here.
1: I'm Probably so thrilled. It's, hot down here. Sorry, what was that?
4: It's hot down here. It's Anything. hot. To, it, yeah,
1: well, I would imagine Florida in June pretty hot stuff. Um, You've been down there for a while. You and my dad are first cousins. um, And uh, so you go way back. Your mom was my dad's favorite aunt in the whole world. He still talks about her to this day. Um, You have had a very, very interesting life. Um, One that is with varying careers, all of them successful. But your most, I think the most incredible uh, piece of your life is your artwork. You have your own gallery and uh, you are commissioned for these most incredible bronze works. Tell us, uh, Jay Harrison Smith, how did you get started as an artist? I read online, I think it's the sweetest story, how it all started for you way back when you were all of about what, one, two, three years old?
4: Uh, I don't even recall. I'm told the story. But I couldn't walk or talk yet. But I had training shoes on with bells, and when my mom didn't hear the bells, she had to come running to see what I was getting into, and what uh, they making bread. And uh, so she opened up the, the drawer that had the pots and pans, and uh, that kept me—I guess I about two or two or five minutes, some very short span of time. And I was off to see the world. So she took a piece of bread dough and gave it to me and put me in the corner of the kitchen. And it kept me there till I had my lunch. And then when I went for my nap, I had to take the bread dough with me. So she, you know, the light went on, aha. Uh, so she made another loaf of bread, cut it into slices, put it in wax paper, put it in the ice box. And uh, that'll date me. Mm-hmm. And uh, then every morning, uh, she would get up and with me and give me my breakfast then put me in the corner of the kitchen with a slice of bread dough. Dad came home after a few days of this, I guess he said, what's Jim doing? I don't know. He's playing with bread dough. I get my housework done. And he looked, walked over and he said, oh my gosh, he's he's, he's made the dog and he's made people. And uh, so they kept me in bread dough until I graduated to oil clay. And I always had a wad of oil clay in my pocket in school, which got me in a lot of trouble. So...
1: Why did you get in trouble? Because you were sculpting well, the, the, at your desk instead of listening yeah, to the
4: teacher. Yeah, I'd be sculpting. You know, we were in rows, and you know, I could do things very well. I had a piece of clay down in my between my leg, my lap, and I, and I, I don't have to even look. I can I can make things without looking. I just by touch. And but then there's the guy on my right, the guy on my left, the guy in front of me, and the guy behind me, all trying to look and see what I'm making. And I remember the seventh grade, Mr. Lehty. Um, that he said, not too well thought out, but Mr. Smith, what are you playing with between your legs? <laughs> and the man, Ned, you can imagine seventh graders all cracking up at which he threw a, an eraser down our row. And it, 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 we all saw it coming, but the guy behind me it hit him with a big puff of, of chalk. And I think Mr. Leaky lost his job over that.
1: <laughs> are you kidding? Oh my goodness, no. by asking that question. Well, what were you sculpting
4: in the seventh grade
1: a, at your desk? Like what type do, of things?
4: I would do it all, whatever came to my mind, I would, I would do it, I, I, you know, I was in the Navy and Submarine Service and I, I would take, I still had my ball of clay there and we'd be on watch and uh, I would, if I weren't busy, I would pull my clay out and, and do a bust of somebody who was standing close by me and uh, I wadded up at the end of the watch and they'd go, oh, don't do that, we'll do it again tomorrow. So I, I, it's, it's, I just, it's just so, it comes so naturally to me to do it. I just don't find anything hard Absolutely.
1: to do. I mean, starting at age one, using the bread dough that your mom made, which kept you quiet. But I mean, starting at that young age, yes, obviously you were born with it. And I would imagine too, I always admire people and envy them. The ones like you, Jim, who have these innate gifts, because I, I have a feeling that probably kept you out of a lot of trouble. Um, in some ways, when you've got an art or something that you enjoy doing, it's kind of like women who knit or do things like this, or even men. Now, there's a lot of men who knit now. But, um, you know, when you've got something to do with your hands and stuff, it keeps you keeps you focused, keeps you out of trouble. I, I I imagine that was probably a really good thing for you to have. Do you have any of your figurines or anything that you made from when you were young?
4: No. I I really don't I uh, I've given everything I've ever made away, and except for now, now I have about thirty-five bronzes here. But to to correct you, on one thing I still managed to get in trouble.
1: Oh, <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. I had a feeling. <laughs> so Jim, you know, we we actually have one of your beautiful beautiful pieces that's uh, in my parents' home, and it's a, of a hand and I think it was, you did a series of these, and I believe, was it for something about the Holocaust? Yeah. Because now you're, you're commissioned for really amazing things, and we'll get into now, you know, some of the things you've been commissioned for, and some of the renowned work that you have done. Um, explain what the hand that's my parents have at their home, what that series that was. was.
4: That was a hand grasping another hand, it, 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 showing the, the might of of Nazi Germany and the, and the plight of the person trying to get away. Uh, so that was that. That was what that piece was about. Um, I'm glad I did a, a series of, of pieces uh, for the, for that show. Um, but I think, you know, that like you said earlier, I, I think I think art, now I'll get in trouble for this probably for people who don't agree with me, but I think artists are born. I don't think you can make an artist. I think you either have it or you don't have it.
1: Agreed. Yeah. A hundred percent agree with that. Um, it's not really. I mean, yes, you can train somebody to do something well, and there are people who help you within your process. And I, I'm really amazed on your website, uh, the J. Harrison Smith website. There, what, what is the name of your website so people can start and go look at your your pieces of art, which are just exquisite.
4: Well, first of all, I must say it's not it's not current. <laughs> not kept up to date, but. Any rate, it's a jharrisonsmith dot sculptor. That's s c u l p t o r at gmail Oh,
1: that's your email. What's your website? Oh, oh, yeah,
4: my website. It's the same thing, except there's no dot. It's jharrisonsmithsculptor dot com.
1: Jharrisonsmithsculptor dot So, oh, yes, and so Jim, your sculptures. Now you. You do them, it, it, explain the process. It's it's kind of a lost, is it a lost art or is it just an antiquated no. way that, uh, s- tell us about the process you use that you're most well-known for.
4: Well, it's, it's called the Lost Wax Method. Um, the
1: Lost Wax lost Method?
4: Wax. Yeah. Okay. So what, what one does first, I make my original piece. Then we make a, a rubber mold. We brush on liquid rubber in several several layers. And then we put a a hydrocal or a plaster mother mold over that to hold hold the rubber in place. Then we take it apart, take the clay out or whatever medium I was using to make that first piece. We take that out, put it all back together. Then we pour in the hot wax, about one hundred and fifty degree wax, and uh, we make that's to pick up all the the uh, particulars of that piece. And then we dump that out, pour about twenty degrees less wax in and swish that around and let it set for a few. And then we dump that, then we pour a little cooler wax in, let it set. So we get a buildup of wax in the mold, probably a quarter of an inch. And uh, and then we take the mold apart, take the clay out, or take the wax piece out, which is a hollow piece of, of, of what we had. And uh, uh, then we chase that, we clean it up. Then we take it to uh, the wax room and that's where you put on a pour cup and the sprues all the wax. They will go to various parts of the piece. So when you pour the bronze in that cup, um, it, it, it'll it'll get everywhere it's supposed to get, and the air can escape and all that sort of thing. That's a convoluted mess too. But then we once we do that, then we we take that wax and we dip it in the shell mold, which is a refractory. Uh, it's like a almost like a plaster, only more more sturdy. And we we totally. Im- so totally we surround that wax with that. Then we put a very fine sand layer over over that, and then we dry that for a couple days. Then we dip it again in that slurry, and then we put it in the medium wax or medium, medium sand. So then we 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 get the wax. We we get that shell mold done. Then we melt the wax out. That's the lost wax method, and then you pour the bronze in. So where there was wax will now be bronze. So all the pieces are hollow. No I joke. see
1: and I saw the process because you have a, a wonderful video on your website that shows from inception of your idea with a piece of wire and some aluminum foil or whatever it is that you're creating a, a lot of yours are figures or human the human body um, you have a, a lot of a, a series of dancers and and also children and it just they're so exquisite and then the the process that you show on this video it's just, it's fascinating. I couldn't stop watching it. And then when you do put the bronze on, it's like 2000 degrees or something, correct?
4: You don't put that on, you pour it in. Oh, you and pour
1: it's... it in. Okay. Yeah. But it's 2000, 2000 degrees. Yeah. I mean, that is just, so did you go to art school to learn these techniques or did you study with someone? Did you have a, a mentor? Or did you apprentice? How did you learn all this?
4: I, God, good question. Um, uh, There was a fellow in a little town called Oldsmar, and he was at a little tiny foundry, so I think I started playing with him. And uh, and that's what we were doing, playing. Matter of fact, the piece your dad has was cast there. Uh, It was one of the first pieces I cast, actually. Uh, Then uh, I was using several foundries around here, not happy. Ended up going to Carmel, California with... My wife that time was a circuit court judge and she had a conference out there. So I just took time to go to all the galleries and play golf and do what you do in Carmel. And, uh, on the way back, she said, you know, I understand you are really pretty good at art, although you've given everything away. So your kids say, um, if you will do it, I will give you art lessons, um, at a local art place. And, uh, Uh, If you'll do it for your birthday, I'll do that. So I said, okay, fine. So you have to do it now. Because I wanted to brush things off. by saying, yes, I will. And I did. So I the in the class and the instructor came over to me. and said, what are you doing in here? I said, I think I'm sculpting. Yeah, you're as good as I am. You don't need to be here. Just go out and sculpt. Can I finish my piece? And uh, so then I took a class with somebody else. And uh, it was a Japanese artist from St. Petersburg. And he said the same thing. Just go do, go do. You know, so... I oh, went. Do <laughs> okay, go do. So I uh, yeah, I I you know, I, I took classes in, in college and and uh, you know, I initially was I was gonna be an art teacher and coach football and do commercial art and decide. Well, funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I I, I decided I did not want to be a starving artist and uh, so I went off to business world and did that for twenty years, had my own company and made a lot of money and and then I uh, got the calling for legislature and I ran and won a seat in the House of Representatives and did that for a few years and realized I'm frustrated I'm not getting anything accomplished like I thought I could do, so I quit that. And uh, then I took a, got inveigled into running for a, a county office and uh, I did not want to do it, but grand old party, you know, came down on me. So I did that and that's when I, during that was the time that I, I started to Doing the sculpting again. And uh, it just grabbed me. It just sucked me in. And I was able to, uh, to buy this building. And I had done a piece for a local school, a grandfather and granddaughter, uh, skipping and holding a hands and blowing a kiss at one another. And the money I got from that allowed me to buy the, this 10,000 square foot building. So uh, we now have gallery space in here for other artists, or studio spaces for other artists. We have uh, this large gallery in front. 2000 square foot gallery, and we're putting a bronze foundry in the back. Not oh, you're going to bro- have
1: your own foundry.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've got two furnaces back there already, a small one and a, and a pretty large one. And we're creating all the, the wax room, the, the shell mold room and all that. We're almost ready to go. So uh, now they got this big commission that's uh, two eight foot high people. Um, and it's good. It'll be the largest sculpture in Clearwater for sure. But okay, so
1: yes, let's talk a little bit about that because we're we have a few minutes left. I want to talk about the commissions that you've done um, because you have some in some really special places around the country. Tell me a little bit about the commissions you had, and then the one that just came in this week for you that that sounds incredible.
4: Oh gosh, well uh, I started out. I guess I did a, a, an arts element, our, our our arch elementary school. I did a violin player. Little second grader, life size, and that was kind of special. I, I did the work down at the art school and took my piece down there, and and I would take one one of the kids and I'd say I want to do your ear. So I would sculpt his ear and somebody else's nose and somebody else's mouth. And and, uh, and when we did the unveiling, I overheard one one little guy say with "Hey, that's my ear." You know, so <laughs> right. Kind of, uh, then I did. Uh, uh, three sculptures, uh, again, kids in Safety Harbor, Florida. Um, one was a, 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 a modern-day uh, little black guy with, with cornrows, and he's kneeling, and has a shirt on one hand, and is reaching for, a, a, I mean, we had a I had another person do a mosaic, on, which is like a creek with fish in it and things. And then we had an 1840s girl, a pioneer Anglo girl, and then we had a little indigenous Indian of in the area standing on a, of the log stabbing a fish, which was a bronze fish, but there are also fish in, in, in that mosaic. And uh, that was uh, to say that, that these all could be the in, the Indian kids. They could all be modern day black kids. Or they could all be circa 1840s Anglo kids. So right. it, it doesn't matter when the kids are all doing the same thing at that age. So that yeah, was beautiful. one. Yeah,
1: beautiful. Very meaningful.
4: Yeah, uh, The, the grandfather-granddaughter at St. Paul's School. Um, and then I got into a, at a fellow called me, I said, those are your sculptures in Safety Harbor? I said, yes. He said, how big can you make one? How big do you want one? He said, how about 12 feet? I said, fine. Have you, have you seen Men of Honor? I said, no. He said, well, see Men of Honor and then call me back. So I got the movie. I saw that. It was about the first black deep sea diver in the, in the military. And uh, I said, I can do that. And then we were talking and he found out I was an ex-submarine guy and they're divers, so we're we're all underwater people. So it's kind of a tie-in. And they, I made a conference call, and they said, "Well, welcome aboard, sailor. You are a sculpture." So we got permission to put that in. That I've made a small maquette, about twenty-three inches tall, and just waiting for them to raise the money to pay for the all the big one and get get installed. But that, it's uh, pretty neat. They stopped diving with with the Mark Five Jake back in nineteen eighty-five. So it's a uh, it's really a, more of a replica than it is a sculpture because it's it's very, very hands-on. Just just um, the number of holes in the banana valve and the relief valve and, and the, the, the nuts and the bolts and all the things that go into this thing are, are there. Um, oh God, I've had so many things. I'd recently have, a, this virus thing has been good for me. I've had people walking in and uh, ringing my doorbell and saying, could I come in? And, and we, we would mask up and we'd talk. And uh, one, I did an angel for a Catholic church in upstate New York. Um, that's gone now. Uh, another was a, a woman who lost her son at 28 to an overdose. And, uh, and I said, well, what did he like to do? And she said, well, he liked to ride his bicycle throughout the beach. So I called her back. And I said, okay, I've got a great idea. I said, we're going to have him on a bicycle on an incline. Uh, with him, so I had a picture of him leaning Leaning back on a bicycle, his, his arms, his feet out, and but he's on this downhill slope. Uh, in other words, no more uphill riding; it's all, it's all downhill. downhill. You know, yeah. There's room for his ashes underneath, and then she had one to put room for, for her to, ashes to be there when she did pass away. So, wow, so that was a-,
1: a lot of you, it sounds like uh, the, your pieces that you do uh, usually have a lot of. Um, emotional impact and and deep meaning behind them. We're just about a minute away from ending the the show right now or or the segment. If you don't mind, just tell me about the commission you got yesterday. It sounds incredible.
4: Well, it's going to be uh, Jesus washing St. Peter's deep. And uh, uh, I was concerned that that I would be told how to do that. I, I, I got into the scripture and read about it. And, uh, and I looked up other people who have done that sculpture, and they all had everybody clothed. Well, Jesus was not clothed. He took his clothes off, had a towel wrapped around his girth, and that's all he had on. And uh, St. Peter didn't want him to wash his feet. So I'm I'm having Jesus hold the one foot with his right hand. The other hand, he's, he's got a pitcher pouring water into a basin. And then St. Peter is to be pulling up his left leg, or his left, left hand is pulling up his his dress and so sort there's of room to wash his foot and the other hand he has out uh, like he's talking so he's talking Jesus face is looking down and St. Peter is looking at him with his hand up St. You know, Peter didn't want him to wash his feet and he said well if you don't let me wash your feet you're not with me so then he said okay now I want you to wash my hands and my head as well and he just said no no I'm not doing that just washing your feet so that's what this was all about so oh. More of an interaction than just two stoic figures. And yes. they're both eight feet tall, but they're going to be in a squat position. But it'll be the, the largest sculpture in Clearwater.
1: Absolutely amazing. And um, so, how long is it going to take you to do Jesus washing Peter's feet, this eight foot version of it?
4: I don't know. Uh, they've, they've given me till Christmas, and, and I, I want to beat that. So, I I don't know. We'll, 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 let you know when we get there.
1: <laughs> well, please. By we have all means- word,
4: too. So I, I, it's not just that one. I, I'm, I swear to God, I'm ADD, but I'm not the test for it, but I, I flipped from one thing to another very easily. So.
1: Well, I, we would love to see I, it. I hope you update your website and put it on there, but for everybody else um, who wants to see, uh, some of his extraordinary work, and in the video that shows the process where he does this lost wax method um, of his bronze sculptures. Go to his website sculptor dot com. sculptor dot com, and you'll see his extraordinary work there. It's so wonderful that you continue have continued now in so many decades of your life uh, making beautiful art that is uh, truly making the world a more beautiful place. Jay Harrison Smith, thank you so much for being on the way home today.
4: Well, cuz, thank you for having me. appreciate it. And say hi to Bob and Jim.
1: Sure will. And Joan and Tom.
4: And Joan and Tom, of course.
1: Lots of love to you, cousin. All right. Thank you so much. Once again, com is the website to see these beautiful sculptures. And when we come back more from The Way Home, I'm Laura Smith.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Well, I know that if you've had... Uh Kids in your family uh, that have prepared to go to college, or you've already had them that have gone through it. You know that over the past decade or so, that the costs for going to college have just skyrocketed. In fact, it's, it seems almost otherworldly when I think about compared to when I went to school uh, to where these young people uh, have to place themselves financially in order to be able to even go to college. Now it's really something extraordinary. And so, there have to be some ways in which we can prepare our kids um, and how they can think about saving and tips and strategies and so forth and i have somebody here that's going to help us do just that today very happy to have steve rushoff he is the principal or a principal i should say at edward jones and we're going to be talking about um, this survey about two-thirds of americans still can't identify what a 529 plan is how to save for college thank you so much for joining us today i know it's summer but but, uh, you know, kids are getting ready to go in the fall. So let's talk about this, Steve. Thank you.
3: Well, great, Laura. Thanks. It's great to be here.
1: So, yeah. So tell me a little bit about this. I mean, where when I went to college, we thought it was so expensive. It was a private college in New York. It was $10,000 a year. My my niece is now going to college in New York, and it's $75,000 a year without Uh, room and board so obviously uh, these are huge you know it's a huge jump and people need to find different ways to pay for college right now I know her parents are looking for options talk to us a little bit about uh, a 529 plan which I really didn't know anything about and uh, different tips and strategies for kids to save for college and how they can get through this difficult time if they're in debt
3: Yeah. Education is so important. It's one of the greatest gifts you can give a child. And and you summarize the, the challenges very well. Costs continue to go up. Uh, they've gone up on average 17% over the last 10 years. Student debt continues to rise. That's gone up 70% in the last mm-hmm. 10 years. Uh, and so thinking of ways to save for college and understanding that there's tools out there to help save for college is so important. And that's why it was actually frankly so disappointing in the in the Edward jones survey this is our 10th uh, year of doing this survey to learn that two-thirds of americans still cannot identify a 529 plan as an education savings tool and, and it's surprising and it's disappointing and i would say it's disappointing because they're missing out on some of the benefits of these plans
1: absolutely so do tell what explain to us what is a 529 plan for for a lot of us who don't know
3: So a 529 plan is a type of savings plan. So think about like a 401k plan. That's a savings plan for retirement. 529 plan has a lot of similarities, but it's a savings plan for education costs. So you put contributions into the plan. You make investment choices. Those investments grow over time. And they have some benefits for folks saving for education. The earnings on 529 plans are federally tax-free if used for qualified education costs. Mm -hmm. contributions to the plan may be deductible on state income taxes. It kind of depends on your state rules and the the type of plan you're using. They offer flexibility in terms of the beneficiary. You could start with a child and change to a different child or even a grandchild. Mm. Uh, And I would say most importantly, they used to help pay for education costs, which have been going up. So the traditional use is college tuition, room and board, textbooks, things like that. But, but those uses have recently expanded in the last few years around K through 12 education, repaying student debt, apprenticeships that may be offered through a local community college or trade school. The, the uses are wide and the benefits are many.
1: That's incredible. Um, I wish I had known more about that. Um, if if a, somebody starts to maybe think about this when they do have small children, can they expect by the time their child is in, in, you know, going off to college, that a lot of the, you know, the four year w- will be actually paid for, or how robust is this plan in terms of being able to cover the costs that could be happening twenty years from now, eighteen years from now?
3: Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of considerations when thinking about using a 529 to ha- plan to help save for education costs. Uh, the first is You know, time horizon, Uh, you know, is your child one years old or 12 years old or older? So what's your time horizon? You know, starting early for any kind of savings goal is so important because you get the power of compound interest that's on your side when you start early. Uh, But there's other considerations. Are they going to go to a public school or a private school or a community college? So these are all factors to consider, and that's why it's so important to, to get the help. Uh, first of all, get educated, and there's a number of ways to get educated, but one of the best is work with a financial professional who could help you sort through all the things to think about.
1: Hmm. That's a great idea, and I know Edward Jones is pretty much ubiquitous around the United States. Um, uh, people can talk to someone there for certain, because you guys have the program, Correct.
3: We do. So if, if folks want to learn more, you can go to edwardjones.com slash financial fitness. There's a lot of just pure educational information out there. It's great. It's also a great way to look up uh, a local financial advisor. You're right. We're in 60 percent of the counties in the U.S. We've got 19,000 talented financial advisors across North America that are standing by ready to help. So they can provide you know, education around the trade-offs, and they can also get you started in one of these plans that makes sense for your situation.
1: Obviously, being prepared and um, thinking ahead is really crucial and important um, with the way you know the government is talking about paying off student debt and such is, is that something people can factor in, do you think, or is it that there 's just no way to tell by the time your child goes to college what the policies are going to be in terms of uh, government contributing to to people 's college educations at least in the like the uh, local level, the smaller colleges, not the private colleges. Um, Does that play into it at all, Steve?
3: It it does. And, And one of the benefits of 529 plans is you can have the flexibility. Now this was legislation that was passed last year to use 529 plan proceeds to repay student debt. So if student debt is a part of it for that child, or another child, or even yourself, because you can change the beneficiary of a 529 plan. That can be an important tool uh, in your arsenal for saving for for college education.
0: Mm-hmm. You know
3: that the the college student loan debt continues to rise. Uh, it's gone up 70 percent in the last 10 years since Edward Jones started doing this survey. Uh, the level of student debt was reached uh, 1.7 trillion across the country. So. It really is a growing crisis and something that uh, folks should should be informed about as they think about saving for education.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for what is it for? forewarned is forearmed or something like that but when it comes to uh college costs um to have somebody who can help you wade through all of that and and way before it comes time for the actual uh child to go off to colleges i certainly i wish i had been a little bit more prepared and knew a little bit more about that so thank you so much steve rushoff um for everyone who wants to get more information on these 529 plans uh go to EdwardJones.com. easy to remember EdwardJones.com. steve rushoff thank you so much for joining us today on the way home. Thank you, Laura. I'm Laura Smith. We'll be right back.
2: Can the daily recommended servings of fruits and vegetables fit into just six capsules? Yes. We start by sourcing organically grown whole fruits and vegetables. We ensure they are picked at peak ripeness. All of our produce is third-party tested for pesticides, heavy metals, bad bacteria, and nutrients. They are then washed, cut, and put through an advanced vacuum cold process, which removes the water using pressure. This maximizes the nutritional value while preserving the color, smell, and taste of the fruit or vegetable. The freeze-dried food is then ground into a fine powder without adding any additives, fillers, or extracts. These powdered foods are then mixed in our proprietary blends and encapsulated, locking out air and moisture. The capsules are then bottled and shipped directly to our customers. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code Laura.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: I had the great good fortune growing up um, overseas for much of my childhood, and I went to an international school, which afforded me the opportunity to literally meet... Children and uh, teachers from all over the world, from uh, so many countries were represented. And it, and it was really an amazing way to grow up and see uh, the differences and the sameness of what we um, all were. And um, I was grateful also that I raised my daughter in New York, and she was in a school that, again, had so many different uh, kids from different cultures and backgrounds. It was really wonderful. Not everybody has that opportunity. And I'm grateful that there is a foundation that awards grants to different nonprofits um, to help them raise awareness of cultural differences and sameness. And um, there's somebody here who is in charge of all of that. Paral Bajaj is the Senior Manager of Philanthropy for Nissan North America and responsible for leading the company 's corporate giving and philanthropy strategy for the u s and she 's also the executive director of the Nissan Foundation. Paro, thank you so much for joining us today on the way home
5: Thanks for having me laura and i 'd love hearing about your own international background it It truly
1: was an amazing thing at, at you know age six, I remember. You know kids speaking multiple languages in their homes not just one but several and and having that opportunity and just your eyes being wide open at a young age but not everybody gets that and i'm very interested in the fact that nissan has these grants i know i know that uh over 13 million dollars have been awarded to different groups tell us a little bit about the foundation if you would and then um maybe who some of the recipients for this year
5: Absolutely, so a little bit of background on the foundation. The foundation was created in 1992 when the company's sales and marketing headquarters were based in Southern California. And if you'll remember in 92, we were just coming off the heels of the Rodney King trial verdict and subsequent civil unrest that occurred. So our employees were looking around and really wanting to be a part of a long-term solution to everything that was going on in our country at the time so the company created a private endowment that was started with the singular mission of awarding grants to nonprofits that were working to promote the uh, to promote greater respect and understanding among our communities about the country's diverse cultural heritage and pointing out how to respect and not just respect but celebrate our country's diverse cultural heritage and since then we have continued along that mission for nearly 30 years and we have awarded grants to more than 150 organizations. That is just
1: wonderful. And I'm interested what kind of organizations um, apply for this grant and and who has been awarded. Uh, if you could explain some of the wonderful programs that have been started as a result of the, of the giving.
5: I'll be happy to. So this morning we announced our 29th um, cycle of grants to 28 organizations um, in the greater Atlanta, Middle Tennessee, Dallas, Texas, New York City, Southeast Michigan, Southern California, and Central Mississippi markets. So those are the areas where we award grants. And, you know, we were very proud to welcome some new uh, nonprofit partners to the Nissan Foundation family. So one of the examples I'd love to highlight is the Foundation for Mississippi History. They are a new grantee for us this year, and they're planning to use their grant dollars to ensure that all students in the state of Mississippi Have the opportunity to visit the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum and the Mississippi Museum of History at least once during their K-12 educational career. So it's important for us to be able to help these students understand the history of the state of Mississippi and, you know, the bright future that lies ahead if we can learn from the past. Another organization that we've been giving to for a couple of years now is based in metropolitan Detroit and it's the Interfaith Leadership Council. And they use their grant dollars for a program called Journeys in Religious Diversity. And this is where students take a series of field trips to Hindu, Jewish, Christen, Christian, and Muslim houses of worship. And on each of these field trips, the student is learning about the religious practices and beliefs, as well as the cultures associated with these religions as well. So it's really opening up the eyes of, the, um, the eyes of these students to the diverse world around them.
1: Mm-hmm. That, those are two wonderful, wonderful examples um, that they may not have had an opportunity to implement it <clears throat> not for the foundation. <clears throat> Please tell me um, what is sort of the process by which some of these nonprofits or some of these organizations can apply for the grant. Is it an easy process, or is it, or is it really challenging? And also, um, do you have to turn a lot of uh, nonprofits away, uh, or is there really enough to go around with the foundation's uh, funds?
5: Laura, this is actually a very rigorous process. So we are, um, we go into a deep dive with each of our nonprofits who apply to ensure that they, their programming aligns with the spirit and the mission of the Nissan Foundation. So each year, our grant cycle opens up in mid October. And that's when we encourage letters of intent from nonprofits in the seven cities that I mentioned earlier. And after we, um, after our board gets together and reviews those letters of intent, we narrow it down and invite a select few back to submit a robust application. And then after we have gone through those applications, our board made up of Nissan employees fans out and conducts site visits at each of these nonprofits to ensure that we understand their programming, who their leadership is, and really what the rest of their organization looks like beyond the program that they've applied for a grant for. So all of this information, including info that I shared just now about the history of who we are as a foundation, our application process, and this year's grantees can be found on nissanfoundation.com.
1: And Nissan is spelled like the car, N-I-S-S-A-N. So nissanfoundation.org? Dot com. Uh, Dot com. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes, nissanfoundation.com. You can find out all the information there. Maybe you have a nonprofit in your community that you would like to um, kind of encourage to go for some of these wonderful funds to create these programs, which, again, is, I think, going to, to help make this world uh, more, just more cohesive and uh us to understand each other more. You can never have enough of that. I'm so grateful to have you today, Parul Pajaj, the Senior Manager of Philanthropy for Nissan North America, and uh, we just really appreciate it. Thank you for all the work um that you're helping to foster in the world. Good work.
5: Thanks, Laura. Thanks for giving us the chance to share the great news.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Way Home, and we'll be right back. Hi. Here's a minute of purpose, improving your life 60 seconds at a time. We're all trying to leave a lighter footprint these days. Here are some super easy tips to work into your life. One, tote your own reusable water bottle to cut down on plastic waste. Same goes for reusable food containers for restaurant leftovers. Two, upcycle clothes that aren't fit for donation. Turn them into bags, braided rugs, pillowcases, quilts, stuffed toys, and more. If you're not the crafty type donate the materials to someone who is three compost your kitchen waste use a countertop container to collect fruit and veggie peelings eggshells and coffee grounds cover with a little bit of soil and give it a few months use it on houseplants or garden plantings even just one of these small changes will help protect the planet this has been your minute of purpose find more at nowwithpurpose.com
0: welcome back you're listening to the way home with laura smith here's laura
1: it's that time of the night when we love to give you something uplifting and positive to kind of take you into your, well, maybe you're going to sleep now. It's getting kind of late or. It's uh, something that'll help you start your week if you're listening to the podcast the day later, which, by the way, you can always do here with The Way Home. Just go to WLSAM.com for the podcast or com. Anyway, we love the good news stories. And so the guru of everything good news is here. Jimmy Cleefield. Jim, what do you have for us tonight? Well,
0: for our first story, you talk about the miracle of birth. Here's the miracle of all miracles right here. A baby boy just celebrated his first birthday recently and was the smallest preemie in history. In fact, the Guinness Book of World Records had the baby boy, Richard Hutchinson, get this, at less than a pound when he was born in a Minnesota Children's Hospital. I mean, as small as it could possibly be. And anyway, his mother, Beth, uh, went through complications with this birth, and the neonatologist went straight from the shoulders with a the couple. They said, look, your son, Richard, he's he's has no chance of surviving. He's he's underweight. He's not going to make it. And it didn't look very good. Well, the baby had to stay six months in the NICU at the Children's Hospital in Minnesota when six months later, guess what? The baby was given the all-clear and ready to go home with his parents. And needless to say the mom was just so happy she was holding him tight she couldn't believe I mean he just he just somehow made it through and she said every time I look at my little Richard he's just he teaches me about resiliency about strength that he had and uh, he's just grateful every day that he is around and uh, somehow he, he made it through uh, through this this birthing process and uh, she's just grateful to have him
1: Mike and one pound I'm trying to think of that because you know the average baby is anywhere from like six to eight pounds really um, that's that's really tiny. I wonder how long, he he was, uh, kind of gestating. <laughs> well, actually, how, tw- how long yeah, was he good, the-
0: good question. Twenty-one weeks gestation. Yeah, good. thing you asked that. Okay, weeks. Okay, so
1: twenty-one weeks. So Normally that's it's literally 40. like yes. half, like at four months or Can you something. You believe that?
0: Yeah. It's just. But it's- you
1: know what? Thank God for these the wonderful tech not like technological advances, but also just just science and medicine has just gone so far that uh, a baby like richard can come out uh being born at one pound and still and be fine is he apparently all fine he's out of the clear in terms of like complications and
0: yes uh, is he healthy i i don't know i can't say how how much he's grown but i can safely say yeah uh, he's happy and healthy and uh, god bless him and his family i mean he he's just is the most miracle baby i've ever heard
1: that's absolutely wonderful. Thank God for that. All right. What else do you have, Jim?
0: Well, it was a dream of a Washington State man, uh, back in eighth grade that he wanted to get a, a diamond engagement ring for his girlfriend, but, uh, clearly didn't have the money. But he was thinking well ahead because he was inspired by other people who were successfully, uh, mining for diamonds. Well, well, this man, uh, his name is, uh, Christian Liddon, and he, and a friend recently went to uh, Yellowstone in Montana to mine for sapphires. Uh, they were on this long expedition here. They had a successful dig. Then they went to Arkansas to a park, which is fittingly named Craters of Diamond State Park. And wouldn't you know it, they found the diamond. 2.2 carats. Now that's okay. worth about $22,000. I did some research on this. It was yellowish, triangular shape, metallic, shiny. I mean, it was just so beautiful. And the superintendent at the school where he grew up knew about his wanting to do this a long time ago and was very impressed about it. Said, yeah, he was really inspired. Anyway, he created the diamond himself, eventually proposed to his girlfriend. And guess what the answer was? A resounding yes.
1: Oh, gosh, I thought you were going to say no after all that. <laughs> no,
0: she was, she was saying that no would to a Thousand dollars diamond.
1: <laughs> that would be terrible. So wait a second. You said he, what did he do to the diamond? Did, he, he had it set? Yeah,
0: he had, he, had a, he didn't spend any money. He found the diamond and created it himself. He wanted to do his own creation. I mean, he, it didn't cost him a thing, apparently. Did he have to cut the diamond? I guess so. I mean, he wow. must have had self, some friends, but that's that's very unusual because normally you go to a oh, yeah. a jeweler. No, he did it himself. He, he, he really wanted to do this for his girlfriend, and he just went above and beyond.
1: Wow. Wow. How old is he now? Any idea?
0: Oh, my goodness. I, I don't think I have the age here, actually. Since
1: it was his Since he eighth was eighth grade.
0: grade it's, it's been decades, I think. Must be in his oh 20s. Oh, gosh. You
1: know Can that? you imagine? So, 22,000. I would have thought that it, what is it, 2.2 2. 2
0: carats? That's uh, it's written, Yeah, about 2. 2 22,000. Yeah, All right? 2 okay. carats, 2.2. 2. Well,
1: that's not bad. And I'm sure she was pleased. Oh, regardless. no doubt.
0: No doubt. I wish I, I wish I could have the pictures to describe it.
1: Mm. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I have. Uh, Yes, I don't have any. I, I don't have a diamond engagement ring. Haven't been married.
0: <laughs> I was going to say because I know you've, you've you've never been married, so I guess you can't answer the question how much the carats were. But
1: <laughs> I, you know, I I always wondered that, you know, because some people have these huge. What was there was a celebrity couple the other day that said that the the diamond ring that they were proposed with or whatever was like fourteen million dollars or something. I mean, I'm just Ooh. thinking, I can't even imagine like. How do you walk around with something like that on your hand? I guess if you're in love, uh, you're not worried about. I mean, not the
0: two point two characters of mere bag of shells we're talking about here, but still. I
1: mean, no, that but uh, millions and millions of dollars. Well, I don't know. It's like listen, I think it only matters as long as the marriage is uh, intact, right? It yes. Doesn't matter how big the diamond ring is. You have to be able to get along. And since the three of us here, uh, Jim Cleefield and Bob Smaller, engineer and I, none of us have been married. (laughs) Isn't that funny? We should maybe we should start a different type of show, maybe a a matchmaking show or something like that.
0: (laughs) I got to come up with a title for that. I really do.
1: Oh, I don't know. Anyway, you guys, it's always wonderful to be with you. Thank you for bringing the joy with those great stories. Jim Cleefield every week. And Bob, thanks for making this possible. And uh, as I said before, the podcasts are always up the next day, and you can find them at WLSAM.com. The Way Home with Laura Smith is the name of the show, and we just love being with you uh, regardless of where you are and where you're listening. Lots of love. Be safe, be happy, and healthy. See you next week.